Well, hey, everybody, welcome to episode 209 of the Ankeny Fanatic Weekly Podcast. As always, it's brought to you by our good friends at Coldwell Banker Mid-America. Coldwell Banker is rooted in the legacy of our founder, renowned businessman and philanthropist, Marvin Pomeranz. We continue to tell his story through our love of people, homes, and the communities we serve. Our integrity guides our focus to empower people to make the best real estate decisions possible. We pair local ownership and knowledge with the power of an international brand and the most advanced technology to elevate the customer experience and expectations. Our network of resources allows us to be the number one Coldwell Banker franchise affiliate in Iowa, guiding you home for over 30 years. All right, well, we're going to talk some bowling tonight. I will also have a special guest on at the end of the podcast to discuss a few other topics. But right now, my first guest is the head coach of the Ankeny Bowling Teams. He has guided the girls team to a 3-3 three and three record and the boys squad to a 2-4 and four mark. On Tuesday, both Ankeny teams dropped the non-conference meet to Bondurant-Ferrar at Great Escape. His teams will be back in action on Thursday at Waukee, depending on the weather, perhaps. But this is a busy week for him, and we appreciate his time. He is Lane Ricksmeyer. Lane, thanks for joining me. How are you doing? Awesome. Thank you for having me. I love doing these. Hey, you bet. Well, your teams did fall to Bondurant-Ferrar yesterday, but I know the Blue Jays are very good. Uh, their two teams are now a combined 13-3 and on the season. Uh, what did you think of your team's performance? We actually did very well, um, especially in the Baker round. It's probably our best Baker set we've had all year, so we just keep improving every day so i like seeing that improvement so well yeah i know you told me that you, you guys have been practicing spares quite a bit lately and obviously that uh, you know showed up in the bakers round didn't it absolutely they hate doing it but it does pay off well no both your teams and bond rent ferrar use a great escape as your home venue so, so who was the home team then uh yesterday's meet they were the home team for that for that particular meet so D does that really matter as far as like anything is it who, who bowls first maybe or that's about it. You, yeah. you know, we got there a little earlier, but it's just all about laying assignments, so it, it didn't really bother us too much. Sure. Well, even though your uh, team did come up short, uh, both your teams are on pace now to surpass uh, last year's win total. Uh, the boys just need uh, one more win to match last year's total, and the girls have already surpassed uh, last year's one-win campaign. Yep. So you have to feel you know, like both teams are making some pretty good progress. Oh, absolutely, especially on the girls' front, you know, pretty much doubling the team from last year. So I'm, I'm just really happy we got enough – uh, kids to come out so it's been fun sure well, we'll talk about the girls here in a minute and i know you've had some other close meets over the last few years but last thursday your boys team uh, defeated valley by two pins at great escape uh, that was 2807 to 2805 you know that has to be the closest meet that you've ever been involved in since you've been the coach isn't it oh absolutely uh it was nerve-wracking just sitting there and then it literally come down to the last ball and as soon as it as soon as they hit that i was like oh my god we just won by two pins <laughs> So they hit an eight. So if they hit a 10, would it, would it have been they would, tied? Yeah, they needed a double and like some count to win, and they end up going strike eight, eight one. Gotcha. So, gotcha. E so even if he made the spare, we would have probably won by one pin if they made the spare. So Gotcha. Well, that was a season-high score for the boys' team, uh, which bowled a 27-16 then against Bondurant-Ferrar. Now, I know the 3,000 mark is kind of a big goal for most teams to reach, and the last time that your boys' squad did that was at the end of the 1920 season, mm -hmm. which was your first year with the program, and that team went on to place uh, fifth at state. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like this team you know, has the potential to maybe make a run at that mark? Oh, absolutely, especially what I've seen the last couple of weeks. Um, they just keep grinding it out, and, and they, yeah, I can see the drive that they want to continue and improve every single day. So. They can do it. They just got to put their minds to it. Well, your boys' team only has uh, two seniors in its regular varsity lineup. Uh, one of them is Chase Jordan, who is sitting here with us tonight. Uh, he's been the team's top scorer at the last three meets and at four of the six meets overall. You know, has he been a good leader for the team this year? Oh, absolutely. He loves the chance. We'll just ask him about it. Oh, yeah, we will. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the girls' team a little bit. Uh, they opened the season on December 1st with a win over uh, Johnston when they mm -hmm. posted a season-high score of 2063. 
Uh, they've consistently been scoring in the 1900s for the last three meets. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure you'd like to see them get back above the 2000 mark. You probably feel like they're capable of that, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's just all about everybody getting in their groove and get going. It seems like if we get ahead of steam, it always just, you know, we lose that steam going in or vice versa. We, we start off weak and then we end strong. So it's just putting it all together. Well, freshman Olivia Harris has been the team's uh, top scorer this season. She bowled a 364 series on Tuesday to lead the team for the fifth time in six meets. Uh, she had a 373 total in the meet against Valley, and she now boasts a 336 average. You know, she's had a really good year, obviously. You've got to be excited about the potential for her future. Oh, absolutely. She, th she throws the ball really well, and, you know, so I can't wait to see what she can do coming later years, so... Well, you mentioned this earlier, but part of the reason that your girls' team has had more success this year is that you do have a full squad now. Uh, last year, you regularly bowled with just four girls, and, and that just makes it almost impossible to win, doesn't it? Absolutely. So it was, I was very ecstatic when we, when we started the season at 18. I was like, holy cow, we have 18 girls show up. And then slowly, you know, they dwindle down or they choose other, other avenues, but uh, I'm pretty happy with the 10. So. Oh, you have 10 out now? 10 out, yeah. yeah. Well, like I mentioned, your team's Will Bowl at uh, Waukee tomorrow, and I see the Waukee girls are 7-0 and on the season, so that's obviously going to be a big challenge for your girls, isn't it? Absolutely. I think for both teams, tomorrow is going to be a tough one. So. Well, then after tomorrow's meet, uh, your teams will go to Urbandale on Wednesday for your final dual meet before uh, competing in the conference meet, which will be back at Merle Hay Lanes on February 8th. Mm -hmm. You know, the season's gone by pretty fast, hasn't it? Absolutely. And this year for us, we've only had eight meets this year, so it's, it's kind of a shorter season for us, you know, compared to the other schools. Um, but... You know, we just make do with what we got, so it's been all right. Now, do you know when the district assignments are going to come out? Usually it's like week before. I know a couple of parents have started asking me already, and uh, it's usually week of conference. We start getting some of that information of where we're going. So Now, do they know in advance what some of the locations might be, or is that also up in the air? I, I personally feel there's a select few that know, but, you know, that's way above my pay grade. Uh -huh. um, but... You know, we we don't know. I don't even think the district knows until that week of conference. So well, oftentimes you guys got to travel pretty far for some of those meets. You probably don't don't want to do that again, do you? No, we're we're praying we're not going to Sioux City again. Yeah, I'll bet. I'm, I'm praying to God we're not going that far. So well, what are your goals for both teams? You know, for the rest of the season, are you just hoping for some more improvement? Actually, yeah, that's honestly what I look for. I tell them every day. So you know, if, if you give me a hundred percent effort and I see improvement, that's good by my book. So. I know we have a lot of tough teams that we're going against, so as long as we can give us our best shot, then that's all I can ask for. Well, you guys have certainly been improving, you know, throughout the years. So, hey, thanks a lot for coming in, Eileen. Yes. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. You bet. All right, my next guest is the top performer for the Ankeny Boys bowling team. The senior leads the team with a 372 series average, and he matched his career high with a 416 total and a win over Valley on Thursday. He is Chase Jordan. Chase, thanks for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing, doing good. Thank you for having me here. Hey, you bet. Well, congratulations on an outstanding season thus far. Uh, you told me for the Prep of the Week uh, feature recently that you love the spirit of the team and the teamwork that you guys put in. It seems like you guys always have a good time whether you win or lose. You know, would you agree with that? Yeah, we you know. Everyone stays positive. Well, I know there's always been, you know, a lot of support and camaraderie between the girls and boys teams, and you're a senior now, so you've been involved with the sport for a few years. You know, do you feel like there's that same chemistry between the two teams this year? Definitely. Yeah? You just like watching the girls bowl, probably, don't you? Yeah, they're good. <laughs> they improved from last season. Oh, for sure. Well, Chase, we mentioned with Coach that you guys, you know, posted a season-high score against Valley on Thursday, and then you followed that up uh, yesterday with your second-best team score this season. Do you feel like your team is, is maybe peaking at the right time? Oh, we are peaking at the right time. What's been the key for you guys, you know, to, to make that improvement? Stay consistent and just bowl good. 
Well, no, you told me earlier that your, your second and third meets of the season were just okay. Uh, you bowled a 323 total of both of those meets, uh, but you have averaged a 390 series now for the last three meets. Do you kind of, you know, do you kind of figure some things out or are you just bowling better? Um, definitely figure things out. Like last week, I got a new ball and just different ball placement on the lane. Can, can balls vary from one to another? I mean, does that make a big difference? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you told me earlier that, uh, uh, excuse me, I got to find the right question here. Uh, one thing I want to ask you about is the different lane conditions. I wrote a story a while back that uh, one of my friends kind of laughed at because I quoted coach talking about the, the tough lane conditions and he didn't realize that, you know, lane conditions can, can differ that much, but I'm sure you'd attest to the fact that they, that they really can, can't they? They really can. Yeah. Can you kind of explain how that works? So, I mean, like, be specific about one lane to another? Very dry lanes. If you, like, you have to angle yourself to find the pocket or uh -huh. it's hit in Brooklyn in very, like, wet lanes, like yesterday against Bondurant. Like, I was moving everywhere first game, then the second game found my spot. And then Bakers did it the same. So I'm, I guess, I'm guessing probably it takes a while to adjust sometimes. Huh? Yep. Well, uh, you told me earlier that uh, you started bowling when you were six years old. Was it your parents that got you involved in the sport? Yeah, my dad. He used to bowl for, like, tournaments all over the world. His high score was, like, 299. He left the five pin when he hit Brooklyn. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, of course, your brother Cole is a member of the team. And you told me earlier that you guys aren't really competitive with, with each other when it comes to bowling because you tried to help each other out with the placement and the speed of the ball. You know, but Chase, I, I grew up with a brother. I know how competitive brothers can be. So are there any sports or activities that you guys are competitive with each other at? No, not really, but basketball with family, you know, football, family. Yeah? Yeah, people that get competitive. Not even like video games or something. Huh? Oh, yeah, definitely video <laughs> games, okay. too. There we go. Well, you, you did tell me that you used to compete in some other sports like football and track, basketball and baseball. So which of those other than bowling, you know, maybe was your favorite? Oh, track was a good one back in eighth grade. It was amazing. You know, I loved it. What, what, what events did you do? Oh, I did a hundred meter dash. I got like first. I wasn't that fast though. Well, well are you a big uh, football fan? Are you following the NFL playoffs at all? Or yeah, I'm. I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. Oh, I got. I got yeah. a friend who's a big Dolphins fan. He's probably listening to this tonight. But uh, so, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? I'm going with Niners. The Niners, huh? Well, I know you told me that you're planning to enter the military. So, which branch are you looking at? The Marine Corps. The Marine Corps. All right. Well, let's finish up with a few more uh, bowling questions. Uh, you told me the game day lanes on Merle Hay Road is your favorite place to bowl uh, because you always seem to bowl a 200 there. I've never been to that place, but you said it was really nice. So, is that kind of a newer facility? No, not really. Not really. It's an old facility. It's just nice. Really though, nice. Huh? <laughs> Love the lane condition. Well, you told me that your goal for the rest of the season is to win the state championship for the first time in the school's history. And I'm not sure if you were talking about the team title or the individual crown, but, you know, you, that, that is a lofty goal either way. But you got to you gotta like the potential for both you and the team, don't you? Definitely. Both team and myself. Well, we talked to the coach about, uh, you know, about when the district assignments might come out. And I'm sure you're anxiously awaiting those as well. So do you have a preference for where, where you guys might bowl? I want to go back to Maple Lanes. Of course, that's where the state meet was held uh, last year. So do you, you kind of like those lanes, huh? Uh, not really. They were all right. <laughs> well, I know the year before, and Coach mentioned this, that you guys had to go to Sioux City. You know, it's definitely a long trip, so I, I'm guessing you, you don't want to go there either, do you? <laughs> I love the long road trips. You like the trips, huh? Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, thanks a lot for coming tonight, Chase. I Thank appreciate you. it. Good luck the rest of the season. Thank you. You bet.
All right, my final guest tonight is one of the sponsors of Ankeny Fanatic. He has sponsored the all-time Ankeny football team that we've been announcing over the last few weeks, and we'll be publishing the first team on Monday at 4 p.m. He is an Ankeny graduate and was a key member of the Hawks State Championship basketball team in 1995. He is also the owner of Tim, the Tim Scheib Real Estate Group. He is Tim Scheib. Tim, thanks for joining me. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Well, thanks a lot for sponsoring the all-time uh, football team. You know, I think people have been enjoying this series, and we'll talk a little football here in a minute. Uh, but first, we had the Ankeny bowling coach and one of his bowlers on the podcast here a little bit ago. And I understand you have a bowling story to tell me. Uh, I didn't even know this. So, so back before bowling was a sanctioned sport, which is when I started covering it, I guess you competed in, in a district bowling meet when it was a club sport on the morning of your state championship basketball game? I mean, that's awesome. Obviously, Coach Iron didn't know about this, did he? Uh, no, no. It was uh, kind of funny because in PE, the, one of the PE teachers, uh, Mr. Mullins, I believe, uh, asked us if, you know, who, anybody want to bowl in the district bowling tournament? And me and a buddy, Corey, we had bowled like in seventh and eighth grade just at the, the bowling alley, which is now the wagon wheel or whatever that is. But yeah, we had bowled on weekends just for cheap bowling and something to do. And Immediately, we looked at each other and go, let's do it. And of course, <laughs> at that time, I had no idea we were going to be in the state tournament. I had no idea they were on the same day. But it came about the week of, and we're winning. And next thing you know, he tells me like Friday night, he's like, hey, we got district bowling tomorrow morning. I'm like, I got a state championship tomorrow. <laughs> so it was 11 in the morning. We went, we bowled. We were two pins away from making it to state. Where was that district tournament at? Was that Des Moines or somewhere? Yeah, or? it was somewhere in Des Moines. Something, I, mean, I, don't, I don't even know. I think it was on the east side, but I don't even know if there's a bowling alley over there because obviously my mind wasn't on bowling. Yeah. It was kind of on the state championship. But, <laughs> it, you know, it was a good thing because it took my mind off it. I had some fun, and it was just like another day instead of being all stressed out and worried about it all day and coming into the game tight. I can just imagine Coach Ireland's reaction if he found out that you were doing that. <laughs> he would have shook his head and just, like, in disgust probably <laughs> well speaking of coach ireland you know let me ask you this we, we both played for him back in the day but that was a long time ago do, do you think he could coach in today's you know environment because i'm not sure he could do some of the same things that he did back in the early 80s you know what i i was thinking about this and i think he could coach um you know the one thing about larry is you know he was a he was a rough dude he was tough um but he never swore the only thing he did is he kind of was condescending to some of his players but he was he was a jokester right he had fun but he was also, you know, to the point. The, the thing that I think some of the athletes today could use from him is the fear factor, the respect. Like, you didn't get away with not respecting Coach Ireland, and you didn't even dare try. And I think that, you know, like there was a couple players, there's, you know, a couple players when I was there that, you know, we would call them street ballers, and they'd go out and they think they were going to make something happen, but they didn't respect him. And it didn't take long before they were like, I'm out of here. They just couldn't handle it. Right. So, you know, I, I think some of his, some qualities about O'Leary probably wouldn't hang politically in Ankeny. Just, you know, I think he'd get pushed out by some of the parents because it seems like that's a lot of stuff that goes on. But uh, I think he could handle the kids and he could handle the game. Oh, yeah. Well, I know he had a love for Bobby Knight, and I'm sure you've seen that video, that famous video of Bobby Knight chucking that floor across the floor during a game. And yeah. that happened to us one time in practice. I could have sworn it. I mean, it was the exact same thing. He just picked up his chair, and he just chucked that thing. And you know <laughs> what? I, I Actually, I think I heard about that, but Kiss was the one who was getting in, the, in trouble in our games because he'd always slam his clipboard down. It would break, and springs and pens would go flying across the court. But, yeah, no, Larry uh, loved – Loved Bobby Knight, and I actually did too back in the day. One of the very first books I ever read was Season on the Brink. 
you know, Steve Alford's book about sure. his experience with, with Larry. So, or not with Larry, but with Bobby. And that honestly, like that prepared me for my high school because I kind of, kind of knew, you know, when things were happening and how things were going, because Larry was very similar as far as his coaching strategies. Oh, for sure. Well, I wanted to ask you about uh, Chris Street. I know they're showing a documentary about him on the Big Ten Network tonight at eight, I think. And I, now you would have been several years younger than him, but do you remember, you know, watching him play when you were a young kid? And I'm sure you followed his Iowa career, didn't you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, we all have moments in, in life that you just, you just remember. And I remember uh, we were on the bus coming home from a game and, you know, I had my Walkman on because that's what we did back then, we mm -hmm. the Walkman. And uh, Heath Moulton, he was one of the biggest Iowa basketball fans there is, just like was like almost crying on the bus. And I'm like, what's up, man? And he's like, Chris Street just died. And it was just like, boom, like smacked in the face. You're like, what? You know, you just can't believe it. You think he's joking. But yeah, that was a pretty, that was a, a pretty somber time. Yeah, I think I was coming home from a game or something. I heard it on the radio. Of course, there wasn't no it's probably our game. back then. Yeah, and uh, heard, just heard it on the radio. I was like, you got to be kidding me. But yep, yep, it probably was our game because obviously we were coming home from a game and you covered our game. Yeah, games. for sure. Well, let's talk a little football. You know, this all-time football team has been the biggest project I've taken on since I put together uh, Anking's 50 Greatest Athletes section for the Anking Register and Press Citizen uh, back in 2006. It's been a lot of fun to do the research, you know, on all the great players over the last uh, 54 years and to get a hold of many of them to get their favorite memories and uh, stories about Coach Pizzetti. Now, did you ever play football team? It seems like you, you would have been a good receiver with your height and your jumping ability. You know, my both my brothers were receivers back in Clarinda, where they graduated. Um, but uh, no, so here's my, my, I loved football. And in seventh grade, I moved here. And eighth grade was, they had lightweight and heavyweight. And I was, I was one of the lightest, no, one of the heaviest lightweights. So therefore, I didn't get to try out in any of those fast positions because I was bigger for the lightweight team. Oh, gotcha. And so I was actually a long snapper. Oh, wow. I was a long snapper and a right tackle on the O-line. <laughs> so it, it, you know, and I came from a small town where I, you know, I was quarterback. I was like, I ran the team at, you know, I would have been running that team. But so I moved to Ankeny. I didn't know anybody. Now I'm playing offensive line. It wasn't terribly fun. But then I loved golf. Golf's been something I've played since I was three years old. And I didn't have a lot of money, and I wanted to go out for golf so I could play free golf. That was the only reason. And so they moved golf to the fall. And so I decided to play golf instead of football. Gotcha. Pizzetti hit me up in PE all the time. I'll bet he did. Time. I'll bet he did. He was, he was always recruiting. Yeah, always, <laughs> always. Now I'll be doing a podcast in a couple of weeks to talk to some of the members of our all-time team. So I hope you know everybody listening to this right now will check that out later on. You know I think you'll enjoy it. But Tim, when you look back at some of the great teams and players that have that have come through this town, you know what do you remember? What what sticks out in your mind just as a fan of Ankeny sports? You know Ankeny's always just always put out teams. You know, and, and looking back and looking at today, I mean, I I look at today and I'm like, man, if we could blend these two teams, you know, and and it's weird because one year Centennial's got just the rocking team, and then the next year Ankeny does, and it, it doesn't have anything to do with each other. They just it's just the way the chips fall. But back in the day, Ankeny was a a, a rough and tumble team. They were, you know, the kind that pound it down your throat. I remember in high school, I didn't see a whole lot of passing. Chris Kapacek was quarterback. Um, and I heard a lot about Mark Mazzi beforehand. And then when I played, it was, or not when I played, but when I was in school, it was Jack Pennington. He was a real good quarterback. Sure. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and we, we didn't see a whole lot of passing, you know, I, I think Tony Whitaker was a receiver that did really well as far as receivers go, but I didn't hear a whole lot of, 
success on the receiver side, it was always the running backs. Oh, like, for sure. Yeah. I, did, did Tony Eikensier make the list? He did, yep. That yep. dude was a beast. Yeah, he I was. mean, he was 6'2", legs were just muscled. That guy just ran over people. It was fun to watch. Yeah, he was, he was definitely a stud running backs. And uh, one of the things that was hard about putting these teams together was that, you know, a lot of players played multiple positions in high school, or maybe they started at one position in high school, and then they went on to play another position in college. So that made it a little tricky to figure out, you know, where to put some of the guys. Uh, Andy Brodell, for instance, was a great running back at Ankeny who went on to become a receiver at Iowa. At Iowa. Uh, Matt Whitaker was a running back and linebacker in high school who eventually became a tight end at Iowa. But what I tried to do was to put the guys at the position that, you know, that made the most sense while also getting the most deserving guys on the first team. And I know not everybody will agree with some of the picks that I made, you know, and that's okay. Everybody's entitled uh, to their own opinion. But I just hope that everybody enjoys this, you know, this trip down memory lane and doesn't take it too seriously because, you know, I certainly have. Well, Tim, I just want to touch on a couple of other subjects uh, with you. Of course, uh, your daughter, McKenna, was a standout on Ankeny State Championship Volleyball Team in 2020, and she was one of the honorable mention picks on our all-time volleyball team that came out a couple years ago, and she's now playing at Bradley. So, so how's she doing over there? She's doing well. She, she really loves the team. She loves the school. Um, she's, gonna, this is her, she's going into – this will be the end of her sophomore year. She's going to graduate in three oh, wow. with a double major. So um, she's – academically, she's 4.0. She's doing fantastic. Um, as far as college, college volleyball goes, she had her first, it was crazy. Um, I like proud dad moment, right? So she goes there, she's a walk on, um, not expecting to see a whole lot of playing time. I go there for the first tournament, her freshman year, and they had some trouble there at the middle. So they put her in just to kind of get that, the junior back on her feet and get her fired back up. And they played on Friday night. She played just a little bit, right? Gets in. She got a kill, and she had, you know, all smiles. Then on Saturday morning, the same thing happened, and they put her in right away Saturday morning, and she just starts crushing it. And then they started her for the, the game Saturday afternoon. She crushed it. She led the team in kills, and she ends up making the all-tournament team. I'm, like, like, crying on the way home, like, oh, my gosh, is this real? And then they didn't play her the rest of the year. <laughs> so it was like, you know – it's really hard. I was a walk-on in college. It's really hard for a coach not to play the people they're paying. Right. And, and I understand it, and I explain this to her. And they're going to continue to give that person more shots than they're going to give that walk-on. And, you know, she she hung in there, and she did well. Mentally struggled at times, but she did well. And then the coach, at the end of the year, decided to, to take a position at University of El Paso. So she moved. So now she's a walk-on with a new coach coming in who, you know, that's even tougher because that new coach is going to want to play her players and bring her people in. Right. And so then it got even more difficult. Um, and they brought in another really good middle. She didn't see a whole lot of time this year, but I have a feeling next year she'll get to. The, the big issue is she's, a, she's a, a small middle for a college player, but she's really smart and she's quick to the block. So she makes up for her height in other places, but it's really hard for a college coach not to play their six foot three middle. Right. Now, because she will graduate early, can she stick around for another year and play, or will she move on? She and could. Um, you know, she's a, a double major in criminology and psychology, and she really wants to, I think she kind of just really wants to get out in the field and start working, and, you know, she might even go for her master's somewhere. I told her, <laughs> I told her to hold out on her coach, be like, hey, coach, you know, I got, I'd be done in three years. I'll still have another year of eligibility. If you don't want to give me a scholarship, I'm going to go somewhere. But she's like, no, I like my team too much to do that, and so... It is what it is. What does she want to do with those degrees? 
Uh, she wants to work for like the FBI or something to that, that effect, I think. That sounds fun. Yeah, right? <laughs> right now we're working on trying to get her an internship at a crime lab, so that might give her, give her a better idea of which direction she wants to go. <laughs> sure. Well, why don't you got some other kids? Do you have any more volleyball or basketball players you know, coming up the pipeline? Oh, man, I got all sorts of them. So I've got uh, two daughters right now. One, one's a sophomore and one's a, a junior. They play volleyball. And, you know, they got a really good team coming next year. And, boy, that would be something else. If they win state next year, I'd have all three of my, my girls at Ankeny win state. Yeah. But, and then I've got a I've got a eight-year-old boy. You know, he's going to be tall. Uh, his mom was a full-ride basketball player at UNI. She's almost six foot tall. So he's going to be a big kid. And then my daughter, she's a beast. She's six. So it'll be a long time. Hopefully our name will be floating around for quite a while. Yeah, sounds like it. Well, you've obviously seen all the changes in this town over the last few decades, you know, including the split into two high schools back in 2013. You know, it's hard to believe that it's been almost 10 years now. Uh, with the way this town continues to grow, you know, do you think they're going to be opening up third school here pretty soon? Well, <laughs> in the 20-year comp plan, just to the east on First Street, there's 100 acres there. Mm -hmm. and, and I've been talking about this. I'm in the real estate business, so I, I think about things all the time. And you look at the... the Ankeny South, and you look at Centennial, and you look at their class sizes, I mean, they could take 200 from each of them and still have 400 in every one of their classes, right? Like, easily. Well, that's what we had when I graduated. Right. It's still a big school. So they could do it anytime they want. It's just a matter of, you know, I think logistics and raising money and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Well, Tim, I wanted to give you a chance to promote your business a little bit. Uh, when did you start your own real estate group? Because you used to work for somebody else, right? Well, I'm still with uh, Remax Precision. So, okay. uh, I, I, we started uh, the Scheib real estate team probably when my, I would just say when my wife joined, uh, that's when we officially became a team and we hired a full-time assistant, but you know, we hired the full-time assistant. It was pretty much eight years ago. Um, it, it was a situation where my wife and I were both in the business and uh, we had a son and the first person we handed our son to was at the daycare and she said she wanted to get out of the daycare. We made friends with her. She babysat for us and I'm like, you know what? I need an assistant. We brought her in, and she's been with us for eight years. So uh, that's been amazing. And I think that's one of the strengths to our team is that, you know, we've got myself and my wife. We are both agents. Um, we don't work a whole lot together. We're both competitive. So mm -hmm. she, she wants her own deals. I get my own deals. It's just what it is. But, you know, obviously we're there to help. And then we've got full-time assistant, Dora. She's amazing. And then we have a licensed assistant as well who also helps with some of our social media stuff. And then we have a full-time uh, videographer, photographer on staff as well. And that combination has been extremely powerful for us. And marketing homes is something that like, we have pushed to the max. I think there's nothing more important than having the top quality photos, having good video, having extremely good social media, um, <clears throat> getting out in front of as many people as possible. And I think that's kind of what we tried to do. We, you know, Being from Ankeny, I like to just keep getting my name out there as much as possible. There's nothing better than when my daughters say, you know, someone comes up to them in school and says they see my sign or, you know, whatever. Someone says, oh, is your dad this person? So just trying to brand our company so that our listings and our clients get the benefit from that. Sure. Well, yeah, I've seen some of your videos. Obviously, they're very impressive. So whoever does that, they know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's pretty good. Well, yeah, I'm sure you feel like, you know, your, your company offers something that maybe others don't. What do you feel like separates you guys from the competition? I'd say that the majority of it is like start with marketing, marketing number one. I feel we do, you know, the most that we possibly can, which is a lot. Um, but more importantly than that, 
communication is like number one. If you talk with any of my clients, none of them ever will say I don't get back to them. If you talk to any real estate agents out there, they will all say the same thing. I am consistently communicating because if you don't communicate, I mean, you look at you buying a house. It's the only thing, if, if you're buying a house, it's the only thing you're thinking about. Like at night, you're thinking about it. I always tell my clients, if you're laying in bed and you have a question, text me. I don't care what time it is. Now, if I'm asleep, don't be surprised if I text you back at 5 a.m. Because <laughs> I do go to bed at around 9, 30, 10 o'clock. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I don't ever want to leave anybody hanging because it means a lot, you know, and I, I appreciate that. So that's communication, I would say, is number one. And in all honesty, in a transaction, if you don't have communication, it's not good. So as long as you guarantee communication, then things will go smooth. Oh, for sure. Well, do you have any specific properties or developments, you know, that you'd like people to know about? You know, I, I just started representing Elevated Builders. Um, he's, uh, he's a natural architect. He's got his, he went to school to become an architect and design, and he's great with that. He's mentored under a builder for about six years, and he's building on his own, and he just does a great job. Um, you know, some of the stuff that he brings to homes, you don't really see from other builders. So he really has that, that design touch to it. So when someone walks in, they're like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Instead of just walking in and seeing a vanilla envelope saying, I've seen this in every other house in town. So, um, elevated buildings, we got right. Well, he sold one today. We got three left in the crossings of Deer Creek, which is just east of the interstate here. And, uh, we're looking to start a couple other specs, maybe some bigger ones go in that five, $600,000 range. Well, if anybody's interested in checking you know, out any of those properties that you mentioned, you know, uh, anything else that you have to offer, you know, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? My phone number, um, like I said, communication, call or text 515-313-7103. Um, but I am on TikTok. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. My handle is at Scheib. It's S-C-H-E-I-B-E-S-T-R-E-A-L and the number eight. So Scheib Real Estate. Gotcha. And of course, you have the website, too. You can probably reach you through the website. Right? Yep, yep. That's just shyrealestate.com. Yeah. All right, Tim. Well, hey, thanks a lot for coming in. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Dan. You bet. All right. You've been listening to the Ankeny Fanatic Weekly Podcast, sponsored by Coldwell Banker MidAmerica. At Coldwell Banker, you're not one of many clients. You're our most important client. We listen to your needs to develop long-lasting relationships and provide the best services, professional support, and resources in the industry. We are constantly exploring new and innovative ways to elevate your experience and exceed your expectations. Our network of resources allows us to be the number one Coldwell Banker franchise affiliate in Iowa, guiding you home for over 30 years. Well, I want to thank my guests again for coming in tonight on this uh, cold and snowy night. We had Ankeny bowling coach Lane Ricksmeyer and one of his top bowlers, Chase Jordan. And we also had Tim Scheib from the Tim Scheib Real Estate Group. I appreciate uh, the time from all of those folks and hope you enjoyed uh, those conversations. Also come back uh, next week for another edition of the Ankeny Fanatic Weekly Podcast.